I'm Elizabeth Fay, and I am a huge Schedulisty fan, enthusiast, um, promoter. So what Schedulisty can really do for your business and what it can do for your life um, is so amazing. So it's a modern tool that's going to help you systemize all the procedures in your business. And they're probably some of them are ones you didn't even know you have or you should have. It's going to systemize them. It's going to make everything streamline and do it for you while you sleep. And this is the way that you can make more money and have more quality of life. So everything from upping your rebooking rates to taking deposits, helping you enforce your no-show and cancellation policies, all the way to your email marketing, and even the way you get tipped and process payments. It's like having a front desk, an assistant, and a virtual assistant all in one in your pocket for such an affordable price. So if you haven't already gotten... Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, and this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity. Corey, of course, I sit with Bud Tone. What's up, man? What's up, brother? Chilling like a villain. What's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. It's good to be back in the studio. It is good to be back in the studio. It certainly feels more intimate when we're when we can kind of be together like this, right? It's oh like it's like yeah. homies doing it now. Exactly. You know, you know like, what I mean? Exactly. It's not like I'm all the way across the country or somewhere else, and you know, phoning in and just you feel like a pretended. guest, right? Right? Like you, like you feel like a guest, and I'm sure I feel like a guest as well to uh, to your podcast. So. A hundred percent. But I get to see the studio from from my angle, and you get to see the my basement wall. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not the same. Yeah, we got to do something about that. We got to get some like <laughs> pictures up or something, man. Get a new banner or something, something man. Right. We got to get something. I think we have a couple extra banners too. We can probably do that. That's actually not a bad idea. We we'll have to talk about that. Hey, so um, so listen, I we've talked to a lot of hairdressers we uh, through DM or even just friends that we've had, and it seems like like this. <laughs> It's funny. I'm going to make a really bad analogy, but you know how like they say like COVID, even if after you um, um, recover from COVID, there's still like some some secondary kind of things going on. And I think in our industry, or, or at least the people that we've talked to and what I've experienced, I know everybody hasn't experienced this, but a lot of people have experienced like either their clients not coming in or like me personally, I have like legitimately like 10 clients. And I think it's probably because, you know, I'm, I'm an older hairdresser now, but I have like 10 clients that have just decided to grow the gray out. So they've taken this opportunity, this five, six, you know, the hard months, you know, when you grow your gray hair out, they've just decided to go forward with it and, and, um, and grow the gray out. So, you know, that means that, you know, I have 10 open holes um, in my, in my client book. So on top of, I, I, I would say about 50% of my clientele has not come back. You know, mm-hmm. they're either, you know, still scared or for, for whatever reason. Still quarantining. Yeah, they're still quarantined. So, I mean, the other 50% are happy because it's easy to get an appointment now. But it, it's just, it's very, oh, I don't, I, I don't know if you would say stressful or very, uh, just weird, right? Yeah, it is weird. It's just, I don't. It's weird, but I understand too, right? I totally get it. I, yeah. t- I tell them, I, I said, I totally understand because I do. I, right. I'm not blaming them, yeah. but it's just, you know, it's just odd to to go to work. And plus we can only work at 50% capacity, yep. you know? So it's just, it, it's just a weird time, right? Very weird. It's a weird time. So um, we're actually very excited about our guest today. Our guest is, is Dawn Bradley. And what we're going to talk about is your strategies to kind of like, you know, you know, during this COVID or just in general, you know, strategies to finding a new clientele. And I think that this conversation is, it's always been important in our industry, but I think, you know, I think particularly now, even like old salts like us who had full clientels and stuff. I mean, now we have holes in our book or holes in our clientele that we can fill. So I think, I think it's a great conversation to kind of uh, readdress. And, um, and it's not just, you know, the first year, second year, you know, uh, before the five year kind of conversation. Now I think it, 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 it's affecting everybody in the industry. Yeah, hundred percent. And one of the things I, I really like about Dawn is that she really tries to help take stress out of everything. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of her goal. And uh, interesting enough, when I reached out to her about this conversation, um, I said, listen, I know that you're trying to sell something and, and I know that, that this is part of your sales pitch. You know, what are you willing to uh, talk about? And she said, I want to talk about it all because her goal is to help people. It's not about necessarily selling coaching spots, although that's what she's going to do, you know, but, but, it, but, it, but it's about just being able to reach our industry and, and, you know, I mean, talk about like kindred spirit 
Yeah, if anybody has information to help our industry, they have a spot at the table for us because we're 100% on board with anybody that's willing to try to give and help, you know, those that need it. And, And right now, I think we all need it. We all do need it. You know, we all need different strategies. We all need different stuff. And, you know, people like Dawn make it very, very easy to fall in love with the hair industry. 100%. 100%. Like that. Let's bring her in. I did like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Miss Dawn Bradley, welcome to your day off. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, definitely. Man, we're excited to have you. Kind of give us a bullet point. Um, like, so you have a coach. I mean, I kind of teased it a little bit, but you have a coaching business and, and you, you created a coaching business called Rock Your Business, right? But hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to let you talk. Hold on. Real, 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 real quick. Before we get into that, can you give us a real quick bullet point of who you are, where you're from, and how you get into the industry? Yeah, okay. This is going to be a struggle because I'm the queen of tangents, but I got into the industry. I went into cosmetology in high school thinking it'd be an easy credit, not something that I was going to take serious. Um, And then 18, went to hair school, nothing else to do, uh, and then ended up loving it and realized I could make a career out of it despite being told by my family and by my hairstylist that there was no way I could be financially stable in this industry. Um, So now I've been in the industry. I'm from a small town in the prairies of Canada. Um, and I've been in the industry now 19 years and I've been self-employed for over 10 now. Um, and I've lived over in the UK, in London. I worked in Sydney, Australia under, you know, the Australian hairstylist of the year. Uh, I've got some really cool experiences and stories if we had like another hour and a half for me to tell you, (laughs) but that's my bullet points of, uh, yeah, like almost it's, I'm coming on to my 20th year in the industry, which is so insane. Um, and I, I'm so glad that I accidentally fell into this career. It's, it's amazing how many people have accidentally found this career, accidentally, you know, continue on with this career. You know, it's like, honestly, I mean, over the last couple months, this is the continuing conversation. Whoops, I accidentally got here. Yeah. You know what? I think it's because it was presented to me in a way of like, that's a really cute hobby. Like that, that'll be nice to do while you put yourself through school. And I felt a lot of shame around like, oh, I'm just a stylist. And so when I like in 2010, when I became my own boss and I I like, there was no salon suites where I was from. So I just had like a small retail space and I was so excited when people would ask what I do, I could be like, I'm a business owner (laughs) (laughs) because now I wouldn't get that. Like, oh, that's sweet. Thank you. You You know what? Let me tell everyone about you because you probably need the help. That's, that's hilarious. This is probably a good time to uh, to give Vivian McKinder a shout out because she produced that documentary about hairdressers called "Not Just a Hairdresser," right? And yep. that's an Ooh. not just not just a hairdresser. If you haven't watched it, Dawn, you have to. I I know. Like I'm gonna watch it right after. Like, can we just pause for a second? Yeah, exactly. yeah. So what she did is um, it's it's probably about 15 or 20 years old now. But what she did right. is she went through and she just interviewed some you know the icon icons of the industry. You know, from you know Anthony Muscola to Trevor Sorby to to a bunch of like cool. you know certainly British icons of the yeah. industry and just it was, it was it's really really cool and and it's something to like was Vidal in that yeah I, can't remember. I, he, I think it, uh, I don't think he, she interviewed him I think there was excerpts of excerpts him. of them yeah yeah so you know she just kind of went through and 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 just you know again talked to like icons of the industry which is very very cool you know yeah. um, and, and you it know, makes you proud to be a hairdresser it makes you not it makes you feel like you're you're part of a bigger you're kind of a bigger community and a bigger, a bigger thing, you know? Absolutely. When I went, so I was 21 when I went over to the UK and I like thought I was some hotshot three years into the industry from like a small town. (laughs) Right. And then, uh, but I ended up getting an assisting job at the Avedo global headquarters. So I got to see Antoinette Beenders and Ian Michael Black work, which was so cool. And that was when I had this aha moment of like seeing, um, how our industry worked differently in the UK and how they had to do like four years of learning before they actually, and I was like, oh, like they just looked at it from a completely different lens. And that's when everything shifted for me, even in my technique and my skill, they right. taught, they trained my eye rather than my hands. And it was so like, it was the biggest aha moment. I remember feeling like it was a step back to become an assistant after like three right. years of you know being you know this amazing stylist <laughs> um but it like threw me 10 steps forward it was like they the the british have such an i think an amazing way of looking at at our skills and our and our um why can't i think of the word industry <laughs> it is so interesting and you nailed it and i didn't know it for 20 years or for 30 years as long as i've been doing hair but what you said is so true it's like 
they train the eye before mm -hmm. the hands. And I think the U.S. version, you're Canadian, but I think the U.S. version is like, this is how we do like finger curls and this is how we, you know, do pin. But, but what they, but, but I think where we've, I don't want to say fail necessarily, but, but where we've come up short, um, certainly in America is, is to train the hands and not the eye. Yeah. Cause mm -hmm. um, it's funny. Cause every Brit that, that you talk to, you know, when they talk about, you know, them going to college or schools or apprenticing, They've never, never find any negativity in it, right? But if you talk to every American <laughs> about hair school, they all hated hair school, right? So yeah. right there. So they're already going into the industry hating what they just learned. Well, but hold on. Don't forget that we have the privilege of talking to the cream of the crop. You know, we're not, we're not talking to the to the everyday hairdressers that are in England. I mean, we haven't lived there. I mean, I, you might be right. But, yeah. but but the people that we've talked to are are are, are the are, are the cream. You know what I mean? All right. Are they the cream or are they the crop? I don't know. <laughs> you just got put in your place. <laughs> I did, didn't I? <laughs> he does no, that no, all no. the time. It's not about putting you in a place. It's just like <laughs> you, you know, like what's the what's the conversation? You know? Yeah, but I think that I want to. I have yeah. a conversation, no matter who you talk to, I still haven't heard a Brett complain about school, no matter who. You're right. That's fair. And you know what? I'd be curious. I don't know the stats, but I know like 80% of stylists quit before two years. I mean, I was talking to a big Canadian company and they said their biggest turnover is at nine months. What? after. Yeah. Nine months and two years. And so I'd be curious in Europe in general, what their turn, like how, what their turnover rate is for people leaving the industry. Cause it's a high, I remember in school, um, them saying like there was like our class was nine people and this guy came in and he's like only two of you will make it past two years and it's wow. legit there's only me and one other girl that are still wow. doing hair um, wow. so I wonder if the turnover rate's different it, it'd be an interesting stat to find out I am so I mean, you've challenged me and I'm gonna go find that that number and I'm gonna um I'm you better gonna, let me know I'm gonna right. I'm gonna text a friend of ours who uh who who is in the UK now and and, and she's kind of a nerd when it comes to that stuff so I'm gonna yeah. um I'm I'm gonna ask her as soon as we get off and, and you definitely will get on it. All right, dude, let's get into it, man. So, you know, I'm a, you know, I told you my story. My story is hundred percent true. Um I have clients that aren't showing up, I have mm -hmm. that aren't coming back for whatever reason or or they're not coming back yet is what I'm hopeful of. Um and we have clients that um that that I've had clients that are just growing their gray hair out. I mean, I've got holes in my book that that, that I'd like to like mm -hmm. that I'd like to fill. Like Give, what do you do? How am I going to do that? Yeah. So what I find really, really interesting is like the, the people that are struggling the most to get new clients or what I'm seeing is people who've been in the industry for a while. And it's because, and I know I fell into this myself is like, okay, I get out of school. I build a clientele and then I'm, and then, then I deal with other things. And I kind of think I, I get to this mentality of like, I only have to build a clientele once and the thing I, I teach in my programs and things that I share with hairstylists is like, we have to continually exercise that muscle of building a clientele because regardless of, you know, situation, there's always going to be turnover in some way, rather, you know, people's lifestyle changes, people move, people's budgets change. Like there's always going to be clients leaving um, and creating new openings in our schedule. Now COVID presents a whole different situation, right? As sure. you're saying, like, you know, a bunch of your clients are aren't coming back or don't feel comfortable. Um, but what I always, I, I'm the kind of person that operates where like, I do really well when I have, when I have a challenge in front of me, like, tell me I can't do something and you better like reverse psychology works like a charm on me. <laughs> like, tell me I can't do something. I'm going to go do it. So my number one thing I tell stylists like yourself who are like, okay, what do I do? So I say like, how, how willing are you to get uncomfortable? Because that's the number one step is like you, we have to, now that especially if you've had a full clientele and you've been used to coming in all of a sudden we have to start exercising this muscle. We haven't exercised in a really long time. And the example I use is it was about a year ago that when I, I moved to a brand new city, it's almost six years ago now. I was 31. Uh, I had a you know successful six figure business. I had a house and I just walked away from, well, I didn't walk away. I sold my house, but I like packed up my business and I moved somewhere new, just kind of on a you know, we'll see what happens. And people thought I was nuts. They're like, you, you're settled down. Like 
you have a good clientele, why would you walk away? And I was like, because I know there could be something more. So six years ago, I landed, sorry, this is a really long answer to your question. (laughs) Um, Basically, I built a clientele in under 12 weeks and I was booked months in advance. And I knew no one in this city. And really what it came down to was like, how bad did I want it? And what was I willing to do? And like I said, like COVID prevents, pr- uh, presents a whole different scenario for us because of health risks and protocol and stuff. But I think to get people in, I think there's a really cool opportunity right now where there are clients who have been going to stylists that they felt obligated to for a long time. Like their stylist was really good at pre-booking or they always felt like, well, I've been going to them for so long where I think there's a lot of consumers that are like, maybe now's my chance to maybe shop around and find somebody new. And so as much as like we might be losing clients due to, you know, wanting to grow up their gray or not, not feeling comfortable, there's also this, we can kind of look on this other side of like, there's people that are searching for maybe someone who fits, you know, their lifestyle or their style now. Because I always say like, nothing lasts forever in this lifetime. And it makes me sound like a huge skeptic and a cynical person, which I kind of am. But the sooner I realize that like, you know, nothing is forever and there's a time and it's okay when someone leaves, like when a friendship ends or a relationship ends or a client relationship ends and it presents a new opportunity to bring someone else in that clicks with you even more and you can develop those relationships and bonds. So my aunt's full circle. <laughs> Sorry guys. Okay. Um, I think getting uncomfortable and being like, how can, let's get innovative with the current circumstance of how can I reach out to people and how can I invite people in and let them know that this is a safe place that they could feel comfortable with. So that would be the step. I don't know if that resounds with you, but that would be step one is like, how can I learn to get uncomfortable and start approaching people? Well, it definitely, I mean, Tony and I, we both work in a suite. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, my kind of, I don't know if this is strategy or whatever, but as far as the safety goes, like, like we have private appointments available. You know, that's so wonderful. that's kind of how we're kind of like combating, like, you know, like a full service commission salon is that yeah. if you're uncomfortable, you know, it's private. We, we actually book out clean time between clients and stuff. So you know, that's been part of, that's been part of the conversation, I should say, um, uh, uh, for us. But all right, dude, you, you, you made me wide eyed. How did you build <laughs> your book in 12 weeks? Yeah. So, um, like I said, people told me, so I like, this is a story of my life. Like people being like, don't become a stylist. You can't like support yourself. And I was like, okay, let let me go show you. Um, like, why would you go, you know, at 21 years old, I remember like at 21 people being, I'm like making, I think it was like $50,000 a year. People like, you should probably buy a house. And I was like, nah, I'm going to go to England, like "Mm -hmm, whatever. (laughs) Um, so at 31, I sold my house. I shut down my business. Like didn't even sell my book or anything. Just like walked away. And I got here and I had no plan. And I remember like sitting on the couch being like, okay, I think everyone keeps telling me that I should go be an employee again. And I had been self-employed for four and a half years. I was like, I guess I should, I guess that's what you do. But I'm like, I'm just going to piss off my boss in a year when I go do my own thing eventually. And so I looked at chair renting and whatever. And I decided like, no, I need to have control over my space. So we asked our landlord that we lived in suburbia, if we could plumb in a sink in the basement, it wasn't anything spectacular. Um, And I just decided that like, Hey, I want to get booked and I want to maintain this income that I was making. I got to get at it. And so it's not like I worked a crazy amount. I just scheduled myself in eight hours a day of building, like of reaching out to people. And so I initially was going to print off some business cards and go stand on like a busy, oh my God, it's my dog barking. I don't know if you can hear that. That's okay. Um, I was going to stand on a busy street corner and hand out my business cards because that's what I did in the beginning when social media wasn't a thing. Um, And and like even in the beginning, I decided like, I don't want to sweep floors and wash color bowls. So I like started talking to strangers and I'm like the most shyest introverted person there is. Mm -hmm. And I just decided to get myself uncomfortable. Um, So yeah, eight hours a day, I decided Instagram was kind of new then still. And I was like, I really like sitting in my pajamas. So I literally just spent eight hours a day on Instagram, not just posting, but making connections with people and inviting people in and saying like, oh, I like, I love your style. Like, I'd love to have this idea for your hair and just like relentlessly and shamelessly promoting myself. Um, And, you know, my rule of thumb has always been like for every 10 people back, back when I handed out business cards all the time, for every 10 people I give a card to one to two, maybe come in. And I always tell my students, like, that's not to discourage you because I see people be like, well, what's the point? If like, 
eight mm-hmm. or nine of them aren't going to come. Why, why would I even do it? I'm like, cause you got to play the odds. And so if you want 10 new clients, that means get talking to a hundred people and you might even end up with 20. Right. Um, and so it's exciting when you start to learn the data, like I kind of geek out over like the numbers and the data mm-hmm. and realizing, okay, challenge accepted, right? Like goes back to that. Like, I'm going to challenge myself. Okay. I want 10 new people. So I just, yeah, spent, I, I worked not getting paid to get busy within 12 weeks. You know, Instagram is a worldwide place. So how mm-hmm. did you find people in your community to talk to? Yeah. So before I even moved to Calgary, like I look back and I was like, dang, like good for me. <laughs> like it was before, like it was really being used that much, but like two months. So I knew, I only think I decided I was going to move like three months in advance. It was like very quick that it happened. So I started being like, so the, the hashtag for Calgary is YYC. So before I even moved, I was like, Hey, what like hashtag YYC ladies, like I'm moving there and I'm so excited to get doing your hair. I can't wait. I like built up the anticipation. And the one thing I've realized over the years, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? It's your podcast. Okay. <laughs> Is that um, people love exclusive shit. Right. And so the more exclusive you can make it, the more it like brings people, flocks people towards you. Like when I first started charging for consultations, cause I was getting too many new clients. What a wonderful problem to have, right? Like I was too fully booked. I started charging for consultations thinking that would like slow down the influx of new people. No, it like it was 50 bucks a, a consultation. What? You did not get reimbursed on your appointment. It was just to come talk to me because of my skill and my expertise and my knowledge. Um, and I, it made me busier because people love exclusive shit. Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like, that's kind of been the story of my whole career. So when I moved, when I built my clientele in under 12 weeks, months in advance, um, influencer marketing wasn't a thing, like wasn't a term, I don't think yet, but I remember reaching out to a local girl who like fit the kind of hair that I do and she had a decent following and I was like, Hey, can I do your hair for you? Um, and if you like it, I'd love if you, I'm going to post a contest. If you could post that I'm having a contest, Um, and that, I think I had like 300 entries into that. Wow. Um, I think I had like a thousand followers at the time. Like it wasn't like I had a a tremendous following or anything. And I don't know if how many of those people were in Calgary, but I connected with a local person who had connections in the community. I started building the anticipation before I got here. And then when I ran this contest, some people like, I'm the kind of person, like I don't win contests, but if I see a contest, I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll just like go get that thing. Right. And so as soon as I posted all these entries, these 300 entries, were they all local to where you were? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did, I did a post. So I told Melanie, that was a girl's name. I was like, I'd love, if you love your hair, like I wasn't going to put any sort of obligation or expectation because I wanted authenticity before that was like a huge buzzword. Right. Um, I wanted it to be authentic. So I'm like, I'd love to do your hair. And if you like it, I love if you could post about it. And I'm like, I'm going to have a contest. So I did this contest. Um, I had already built up a little bit of a local following because of, you know, using the hashtags before I moved here. And then she posted about it, which drew people, you know, funneled people over and the right people that were local. Um, and then, oh, for a free cut and color. Oh, sweet. yeah. Yeah. And so immediately I remember like my, I remember the first phone call is a girl named Emily where she like called me like five minutes after I post being like, can I just book in with you now? And I was like, Oh my God, it's working. <laughs> like, cause that's the thing is like, I wish I could say that like, I got like handed some like magical power. Like I was like an Avenger in the hair industry or something. Um, but it's just like trial and error over the last 19 years or at that point, six, 15 or 14 years of like, okay, I've built and rebuilt my clientele on multiple continents in different ways. What's worked and what hasn't, and how can I put only what's worked together right now? Right. And so, yeah, just being resilient, resourceful, you know, I always tell people like, just because I did it this way, doesn't mean you have to, I hope that I can inspire. I always say like my education comes from a place place of being inspired. I want you to be inspired by it. So you can get your wheels turning and being like, what would work where I am and what would work in my business? Um, because there is no one size fits all, right? There's no one road to the, to one, one place. When you open up Google maps, it gives you options and you pick which one works best for you. 
we um i have a we have a friend who um unfortunately just passed away a couple of weeks ago but um uh, curtis curtis the stashed big shout out to curtis but oh, you curtis. one of his one of his strategies was is that and i forget how he did it he showed me maybe you can help me with dawn or maybe not but he would um like he was in green greenville south carolina and what he would do is look at the most uh the most tags in greenville south carolina not the greenville south carolina one but he could somehow look out like in this area what have been the most like hashtags and mm-hmm. then he would go on those hashtags and he would just start commenting um on people's posts about that and, and and it wasn't to say hey i'm a hairdresser and i'm looking for clients it was just to start the conversation and then within once he knew that he had somebody you know that was having the conversation with him and then he was like oh yeah man i'm new in town and i'm doing hair um do you know um do you know how to find the most hashtags in a, in a, in a particular area yeah so I always say like, I don't teach specifically on Instagram only because I'm like not the Instagram expert, but what I'll tell you what I did do is I remember like coming up with like, who is the ideal person that I want in my chair? Like who was like, if I could work with one client all day long, what do they look like making? And I made up this person. Right. And for me, it was like a mom who was tired and exhausted. I gave her a name, Jennifer. She had two kids. She stayed at home. Um, and I wanted my space to be, cause it was very similar to a suite. I wanted my space to be a sanctuary, like a plate. Like it wasn't loud. I didn't play loud music. It was very calming. They got a chai tea latte when they walked in. We had, you know, ca- I had candy bags for them ready. My dog came to work with me. So I was like, who is this person? I was like, it's a mom. And I'm not a mom, so I don't really know what moms are into, but I started looking up like YYC moms, hashtag, like just starting to think with like who the person that I want in my chair, what are they looking up and where are they hanging out? And that's what I used to do before social media, like physically, where are they hanging out? Where are they? Where can I go meet them? Oh, the grocery store. I used to hand out business cards at the grocery store. And I remember the first time I did it, shy, anxious, awkward girl. I was like, I'd like to do your hair. (laughs) I don't think that person came in. Yeah. Awkward situation, but it was practice. Right. Right. And I always say like, when you see a toddler, I'm huge on analogies. So I apologize in advance. But when you see a toddler, like learning to walk for the first time and they fall over, we don't all stand there and go, (laughs) Oh my God, like, please do not try that again. Like that. You just embarrassed yourself. That's humiliating. No, we're like, encourage them to get up and try again. And yet at some points in our life, at some point in our life, we start to do that with ourselves where we try something, we fall over at it and we think I should never do that again. Right. When we just need to continue to practice and exercise that muscle. And then all of a sudden you're like walking without even thinking about it. And so, yeah, I started looking up like, where do, where does that client hang out? And I think this is great for COVID right now is we have to kind of shift our businesses online more, um, which I know like some people are really resistant to or don't even know how. And I think, just think, where are your people hanging out and meet them there? So YYC moms is the hashtag that I used to look up and I would look under who's posting and I'd go to their profiles and I'd see if they fit the kind of person that I wanted in my chair and then this is another analogy (laughs) but like if you think of it if if you're at a party and someone just like straight up came up to you and was like go on a date with me you'd be kind of like even if they were like drop dead gorgeous you'd be like that was a little aggressive right (laughs) and you'd be a little taken aback but if you're like at a party and someone you kind of like made eye contact with someone across the room and then all of a sudden they're like you know at the chip bowl. I don't know. Clearly I don't go to parties a lot, but like they're like <laughs> hanging out in the same area as you and you kind of start talking. And then, you know, later on you bump into them again. And then at the end of the night, they're like, Hey, like if you want to grab a drink sometime, like, do you want to go? And you'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that seems a bit more natural. And so when reaching out to people, like I would say like, if, if you're doing it online, like just connect with them first, like, Hey, like comment a couple times, maybe like shoot them a DM, just being like, love your style. I know this seems super random Um, and get to know them. Like you were saying about your friend, like get to know them first. And I remember reaching out to a girl here in Calgary and being like, Hey, I love your feed. Like, obviously you've got great style. Your hair is amazing. And I don't know if you have a stylist right now and I'm not one to want to poach, but if you're ever looking for one, I would love to get my hands in your hair. And that's what I reached out to say to her. And she said, oh, thank you so much. I have a stylist that I love, um, but you know, whatever. And I remember feeling like, like no one likes feeling rejected. And even that was like the best kind of rejection. Mm-hmm. I remember being like, oh, 
But then six months later, she's like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I decided it was time to find somebody new. And she came to me and she brought all of her friends and all of her family. Wow. So that's kind of the, like what you're saying about your friend, like just get to know people. Like don't like, instead of being like so aggressive because we kind of feel awkward. And so, you know, kind of like how I was that first time I handed out a card being like, come be my client. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, you might do that a couple of times and you might embarrass yourself, but you'll get the hang of it and you'll learn to just introduce yourself. That's true. True. Uh, last week we had a conversation uh, with uh, Danielle Kiesling and we talked about, you know, go into it thinking that it's, it's already going to be a no, right? Mm-hmm. So when you go ask, you're expecting a no. So the only place from a no is a yes, right? So you can only move up. So at that point, you know, if you would have went in there and expected a no, you got a no. And then about six months later, she showed up, right? That's, yeah. So don't ever be afraid not to ask for something, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and, because if you go in there, you know, and it's a no, you're going to get a no. And it, you got exactly what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Can, it's already can I challenge that a little bit, though? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm allowed to. No, no, yeah, <laughs> you know, I love that. I love that. I think going with the mentality of knowing the odds. So like eight or nine of the people that you're going to talk to are going to say no, but I wouldn't go into it with the expectation because then only the only reason why I challenge this, and I know we're kind of saying the same thing, just coming at different angles, is if you go in expecting a no, you might be like, hey, like you're probably going to say no, but like, do you want to come well, and see me? It wasn't, she wasn't saying that it was a no. And by the way, it was Crystal, not Danielle. Chris, we love Danielle, but it was uh, Crystal. Let's give, let's give, sorry, let's give the proper, uh, <laughs> yeah. proper, the proper shout out. So what Crystal was saying that is if you don't ask, it's already no. So you oh, have, yeah, you have absolutely. only upside yeah. by asking. Yes. So, but, yeah. And if, and if they say no, you haven't lost anything because they yeah. know before you ask. So it's only upside on it. And start getting okay with rejection because you're like, yeah. like I said, knowing that like only one to two out of 10 people will come get comfortable, get comfortable with being uncomfortable right. and start getting ready for a lot of no's. But that means that like, I always say like, more rejection means you're getting closer to the yes. That's it. Right. And so like I always in, in um, a couple of my stuff that I have out there, I have like a chart where it's like, like mark down every no you get, because the more no's you get means like the closer you're getting to your yeses. That's it. Yeah. Cause that one or two out of 10, you might only think it's only 10 or 20%, but don't forget that they'll probably send you another one or two. So mm-hmm. those one or two could, you know, really it can be more like 50 40 or 50, maybe 60%, you know what I mean? Yeah. With the people that they're going to send you. I have seven steps to build your clientele. And once you get to like the first three are the hardest or four, I think of like where you have to do the work, but then you get to like step four or five. And that's when you get your clients to do the work for you. That's like referral programs. And it's like, you know, it sounds like a podcast. That sounds like a podcast. Uh, (laughs) Or or we just do it right now. Hey, um, Dawn, uh, going back to Curtis. So you were saying that you committed to eight hours a day. What he did is he committed to 10 reach outs a day. So, so, and the weird thing about, especially like if you do it like via Instagram is that if they don't communicate with you, it's not a no, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't hurt the same, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're not going to go through back to your feed and be like, I can't believe Tony didn't talk to me. Yeah, Cause we've sent out a million DMS and, and, and a lot of people don't sometimes mm-hmm. don't even respond. I know. Mm-hmm. I keep waiting for Miley Cyrus to, 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 <laughs> bring up my DM, but yeah. that girl, she just won't do it, man. But you know what? There's something to that because that's 100% the truth. I mean, we've reached out to people that we've reached out to people that we never thought would ever respond to us. And we've had them on the podcast or wink, wink, we have them coming up on the podcast, you know, guests that, that we just thought were way um, uh, uh, above the threshold in which we could, which we could do. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, I guess it's the same game in a way or a way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Playing the odds. And once you know what the odds are, I like, it's just making sure it's, you're not defeating yourself with the negative. Like you're not viewing it as a negative, you're viewing right. it as a challenge. Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't know. There's something I was going to say. All right. I'm going to make you your step. So, so, so just like, like bullet point, like what's step one, two, three. And then, uh, when we get to get in, you're going to challenge me to try and remember them all. Um, so the seven steps of building a clientele, they are, I would say the first ones get uncomfortable with being, get, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Love that. Learn to stop, talk to strangers. I'm so going to get these wrong because they're not right in front of me. (laughs) I think the third one's toot your own horn. Like learn how to 
talk confidently about yourself. And that's the number one thing I see stylists struggling with is they're like, I don't want to be cocky. And I was like, there is a huge difference between confident and cocky and then not confident. And I always say like, like, there's one thing to be like, oh my God, you should come see me. I'm the best. Like, you're going to love your hair. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to be the best. I'm going to blow your mind as opposed to being like, oh my gosh, I love your hair. I'd love to have you. And I have all these ideas. And I just like learned this new technique and like, we would have so much fun together. Like that's the difference between, so learn to toot your own horn, because if you don't talk confidently about yourself, why is someone going to buy in? Um, and then get your clients do, to do the talking for you, I believe is step four. What's that conversation and, like? So, so, so Tony's sitting in my chair, Tony loves what I've done to his hair. You know, what's my conversation with Tony to get him to, uh, to, to do the talking for me? Yeah. Like Tony, man, like I love having you in. We have such a great time and your hair is amazing. If you have people that are similar to you in your life, Mm -hmm. I would like, I would love to have just like you in my chair all day long. So if you know people, I would love if you shared the, shared me with them or like, Hey, here's my referral program. Like if you have people that you genuinely think would click with me and that are just like you and like can joke like the way we do and like can talk about this stuff or, you know, shoot the shit. Uh, I'd love to, to have more of you. And then you're complimenting them, right? Right. Telling them like, I just want you in here all the time. And then, then they can go share that. And if you give them incentive, that's huge too. So a referral program, I always say is an amazing thing to have when you're building and growing. So is your referral program step five? I don't know. I forget, but I think at the, I know it's step seven. <laughs> we'll leave some mystery in these. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but step seven is like, believe that you could actually do it because I have this, like this phrase or this saying that's like, your beliefs are like a compass and you'll head in the direction of what you think is possible. And once again, another analogy, we should be like counting how many I use, but if I'm walking across the street to a tree but I'm looking this way, I'm not, I'm going to start veering off that like this way. And I see so many people like kind of start to do things, trying to prove it wrong. Like, okay, yeah, Don, these seven steps. Great. Like I'm going to do them only to show you that they don't work. Right. right? And like, they absolutely won't then you're a hundred percent. Right. Like if you don't think something's going to work for you, it's not because if you have your mind made up from the get go that like, okay, yeah, like I could talk to strangers, but no one's going to say yes. And I'm going to, you know, start, you know, giving a referral program, but none of my clients are going to want a referral program. You're not going to sell it. You're not even going to talk confidently about it because you're going to have this mindset. So like actually, and I know it sounds very woo woo but honestly, if you don't think something's going to work, it doesn't matter how hard you try to make it work. It's not going to. Well, it's like, you're steering, gonna, like, uh, you know, like if you're sliding on ice, right? What do they say? They say, you know, st- you know, look, look where you need to go. Not, yeah. look, not look at what, um, you know, like, to hit the guardrail, you know, look at, look at the open floor ahead of you and and somehow miraculously the car responds, you know? Yeah. Don't overcorrect. (laughs) That's it. I actually like that analogy a lot because I think it's so true. I think that, um, you know, you have to, uh, it just keeps you in a positive mindset. You know, it, it, it's to conquer that, that, that step as opposed to, uh, you know, make reason to make excuses yeah. why it doesn't work. But I tell you though, dude, if you get to step seven, seven and, and you still feel that way, then shame on you. <laughs> right. Well, and I think like when, when I tell people like, yeah, I built a full clientele in under 12 weeks, they're like, what? And I'm like, because I was like ridiculously convinced to prove people wrong. Right. <laughs> and I hate to say that that was my motivation, but it was like, people are like, yeah, I remember my clients all back home being like, like, it was like this look behind their eyes of like, we'll see you back here. <laughs> at the end of the day you got to have the drive to want to be successful like that right mm-hmm. so if you don't have the drive and, and, and the fortitude to push yourself to have that kind of success then it, it it's not going to it's not going to come easy you know very mm-hmm. few people get it to come easy but yeah. you know without the drive it's going to take you a, a whole lot longer to to make that happen yeah and i mean like very few people uh, you need that drive that that, that that's the secret sauce right yeah. it's that drive and, and, that, and that refusal to say no i mean you know listen to any of our podcasts that we've done with with anybody with you know deemed success look at daniel mason jones i mean who's more driven than that guy you know he every second of the day he's looking for you know how to angle another dime out of somebody and that's not that's not in a negative he's just he's looking like how can how can i make this a better experience for my client right and how can they pay me for it <laughs> it's the yeah smart yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's smart. But I mean, and he also, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. He's, he's so driven that he, he sleeps, eats 24 uh, seven. His 
his not only his salon but his staff you know what i mean yeah yeah definitely well that's the thing i want to share with stylists is like i'm like an awkward anxious small town girl like and i didn't get anything handed to me at all like there was no trust fund <laughs> there was no like you know residual income from something there i did it all myself i built it all myself and the only and, and i'm proud of that but i want to share that because it's not like i was like given something or like landed in the right place at the right time or got lucky is that I committed to something and I saw it through and I figured out, okay, like this isn't working. Okay. I got to pivot. I'm going to do this. Okay. This isn't working. And so it's about being resilient and being resourceful and not being like, I'm pretty stubborn. I'm a Taurus. I can be really stubborn, but I'm really stubborn about my goals, but flexible about my approach. And that's the most, especially like in like this year and this day and age is like, we have to be stubborn about, about our goals, but flexible as hell about our approach because things are ever changing. And, you know, something could happen next week or next month. That doesn't mean that we can't keep moving forward. It just means we have to take a step to the side first. I love that. What's that, what's that quote? Um, uh, Success is built on a ladder of failures. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I was just saying that to someone the other day. I'm like, you know, failure is the path to success. Like, I like how you owned that. Like it, it is, this is how you do it. Cause I think that yeah. so many times um, in life, we just, we, we get those failures that kind of set us back or slow us down and yeah. then we go, okay, cool. You know, I, th- that was a rung of failure. Let's step to the next rung and let's see what that brings us. I almost, so 16, so January 30th, 2016, <laughs> let's go back a second. I fried someone's hair off completely. Yes. 10 minutes of clay lightener on her hair. I don't know what happened, like, but it threw me 16 years into my career. And within 10 minutes, she's like, it's, we were like talking about something. She's like, it's hot in here. And I was like, I know. Right. Thinking it was like, we're talking about something crazy. She's like, no, she's like, my neck's really hot and it's crackling. And I leaned forward and it was like, I was standing in front of a fire. I could feel the heat on my face and I could hear this like, you know, that's the terrible sound effect. But, um, I took her to the sink, palest yellow. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I remember sitting down on the couch in my salon. This was like a balayage. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. It was clay lightener, open air. Pardon me. Open air, not even in a foil. Nothing. Yeah, that's the mystery. Like, I still don't know <laughs> what the hell. Well, if somebody happened. knows, please DM us if you have any ideas on what that could possibly be. Like, I remember in hair school learning about heat reactions, right? And being like, it could be medication, it could be hormones, it could be, um, you know, copper pipes. Like, who knows? And I always, that's why I'm, I have a program called Rock Your Consultation because I am so passionate about consultations because if I would have just, given her, if I would have given her a warning of like, there literally is no guarantee when it comes to chemical services. And like when clients look at me and they're like, what are you saying? Should I go somewhere else? I'm like, no, I'm really committed to this becoming a standard in our industry. And I don't, you know, because we like what other Botox, like chemical peels, you sign off. And yet we put chemicals on people's hair and we don't get them to sign off on it or it's not mandatory. It seems like crazy to me now. Um, But anyway, back to the story. So her hair fries off and I immediately feel at fault because it's happened on my watch. I don't know why, like, I'm like, is there diet changes? Are you, is your hormones, you know, like what the person in our chair is a variable every single time. And if you think back to like chemistry experiments, like you can change one little variable and everything changes differently or everything turns out differently. So I sit down, my stomach flops, my dog at the time, like came and curled up on my lap, which he did not do, but he could like sense something. And my biggest regret is like not telling her ahead of time, like there is, there's so many risks. Um, but I decided like I went into a year of anxiety, uh, and that's where a lot of my like stress-free approach comes from. Um, but I almost quit. I almost quit the industry and I was like, okay, I need to like figure out how do I move past this? How do I pivot? How do I rebuild my confidence? How do I know that like, it wasn't me, it's just a fluke accident. Um, and, and that's the one thing that I'm like really passionate is like, you know, shit's going to hit the fan at some point and in your career, something's going to go wrong or something didn't go as you planned for, but you can continue to move forward and move through it. You know, it's interesting that um, you said that, uh, you know, like when you do skincare and stuff, you know, there's waivers of those conversations that are happening about your skin and your skin regenerates, you know, every few days, but you know, your hair, you can have, you know, five, six, seven years of, 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 of difference in the hair. So, you know, you have five or six, I guess what I'm trying to say is you have five or six years of variabilities, right? 
hundred percent. Yeah, because it definitely layers, right? As it as yeah. it grows, you know, different things happen to, at different parts of the air at different times. I've never heard of like roots root sizzling in open air balios. Like you you know you hear about it occasionally with foils, even if it's like you know copper pipes or whatever. What, yeah, whatever. it was never like it still it. makes me a little shuddery. <laughs> I, bet. I bet you still get butterflies when you tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? No, unfortunately she's not. So I like looking back, uh, like I told her like, call me day or night. Like my biggest fear in it all was that other hairstylists would find out and sure. that they would expose me as a fraud. Cause I was having mega imposter syndrome. I was starting to educate more at that time. I was teaching hair painting and I was like, oh my gosh, like to be an educator, he, nothing bad ever happens. Like I had this in my mind, right? Like you have to get to a point where like everything goes right all the time. So like I said, I spiraled and it was actually August 30th of that same year that I ended up in the hospital with a stress induced panic attack. Whoa. Um, yeah. And so like, I, I thought I was dying. Um, I couldn't breathe. I was throwing up every 20 minutes. I was convulsing, but I was coherent. Uh, or like I could understand, but I couldn't move my body. We went to the hospital. I didn't understand what was going on. I lost all feelings in my, all feeling in my limbs, all my limbs went numb. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. And I remember yelling at my boyfriend. I was like, go get the doctor. Like, this is it. I couldn't breathe. And he like sauntered over because he could clearly see I was okay, but like internally it was not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that was it. Like, I was like, this is my last night. This is it. And the whole time I was thinking about work and I was thinking, I need to refund these, these education tickets. I need to not go. I was, I was going to Portland and LA for two different things. And I was like, I need to not like, I'm just going to go live off the land in like some rural place. Um, and I talked to a, uh, he, like energy healer. And she's like, interesting. Cause throwing up is your solar plexus. If you're into chakras and she's like, that's where all your self-worth and self-confidence lies. And it was this huge aha moment for me of like that, hair frying off, like knocked me down. But I was wait. It was like, it was a moment that was waiting. Cause I was getting a little cocky. I was like thinking I had to be someone that I wasn't. Um, and then that happened. <clears throat> and then this, you know, this anxiety that came for like eight months after built up landed me in the ER. And it was like this moment of like purging the, that anxiety and that stress and being like, I can just show up and be real. I can be honest about my shortcomings. I can be honest about you know, shit that's happened. And it actually took this weight off me. And that's where like this, like stress-free approach to doing business, ditch the hustle, like learn to like, you can make bank. I want to learn from the person that has a life and makes bank. Right. I like that. Ditch the hustle. Yeah. Yeah, Hustle culture. I don't get it. Why is it so impressive? It's not right. It's hard. We don't need to be working ourselves. I think, and, and I was just having this thought this morning as I woke up was like, why do we think we have to tell people we're so tired and exhausted in order to be deserving of what we have? Like, and we make more work for ourselves yeah. thinking that it couldn't come this easy. Wait, there's something has to be wrong that the success is coming and I'm not, I'm not feeling tired and exhausted. Right. And it's like, Oh no, wait, that's actually like, that's living. And yeah. we're allowed to have that. And I used to like, when people be like, Dom, good job. Like the things are going well. I'd be like, Oh my God, but I'm so tired. <laughs> right. And it's like, why is that our it's answer? Weird. I mean, we have those conversations. I mean, certainly I, I'll speak for my chair. I have those conversations all the time. It's like, it's like we put up, we either book ourselves so we feel busy or, or we're, we're, we like to tell people how busy we are or how exhausted we are. Like I've been so busy and I'm so tired, but you're, you're absolutely right. And it, it's, it's all kind of like facade, right? Yeah. It's worth, we don't feel we're worth it. We don't feel we're worth what we're getting unless we're completely pushing ourselves to the limit. And I actually was working with a student once and she's like, dot, like she doubled her prices. She, we did this whole, I have this whole equation in my program to like figure out like what you should be charging. And she's like, okay, like this, I'm doubling my prices. I live in a small town. Um, she's like, I'm nervous. And then when people started canceling, she freaked out. She's like, my schedule is not fully booked because we're addicted to the fully book, fully booked. Right. And I was like, okay, but chill out. Like, look at your numbers. Are you making the same amount? And she's like, I'm actually making more. And we're so addicted to the fully booked that we don't think like if you're pivoting your business structure, which she was completely building a brand new structure of business and, you know, wasn't double booking anymore, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, don't freak out about the the fully booked. You didn't want to be fully booked like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Look at the numbers. And so many people are addicted to the fully booked that they freak out, they backtrack. Yeah. Yeah. 
But you've been dropping all these little gems throughout this whole podcast. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. So we're going to re-listen, and we're going to make a list of all the different podcasts we're going to create together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, because there's so much, uh, not through only your experience, but I mean, you have so much to offer. And, you know, we want to uh, bring that to our clients, uh, not to our client, our guests, uh, our listeners, and, you know, and really dig deep into these, you know, like, you know, like on Thursdays, we, we do these things called small talk, right? So, and it's just, just the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but, you know, at, throughout this whole podcast, there are so many things that you've dropped that I want to get into the meat and potatoes on, <laughs> know, right? but we just don't have the time today. But I, I, I tell you what, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. The uh, very first one that I want to get into is... <laughs> The fifty dollar consultation because it seems like it seems like her passion there and I'm like how in the world are you charging fifty dollars for a consultation? So, well, I know what, how much they cost now. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> podcast, you're going to talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. So on that note, um, how can our listeners uh, find you, get in touch with you, follow you? Yeah. So I hang out on Instagram a lot at at Don Bradley Hair. Um, I'm definitely, I, I always say like, I hang out there, but I don't live there because mm. I try to keep some balance. Um, but I have lots of free resources on my website at donbradley.com. One being my seven key steps to growing your clientele. It's called the client attraction playbook. Uh, and if you go to donbradley.com, you'll see it there. I also have raise your prices, not your anxiety, a template on, on how to let your clients know. So donbradley.com or donbradley hair on Instagram. Mm, I love it. Dawn, thank you so much, dude. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for yeah. giving us a little bit of your life, giving us a little bit of your, of your knowledge and, 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 and motivations and stuff. Yeah. With all those analogies, we should create like a little, little like parable book for Don Bradley. You know? <laughs> I, like I, lo I loved him. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I, I didn't even mention, I have my own podcast called the anxious creative because that anxiety has been something that's, you know, I learned to live with. Um, and I definitely do a lot of analogies over there, but I do like the parable play or like a parable book. That would be, that'd be good. I do have like a note on my phone of every analogy that I ever come up with. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Big well, you guys, this was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Uh, like I said, we're, 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 uh, we're excited about bringing you back. So yeah, we're uh, big so fans. Let's do that too. Yeah. Um, Don Bradley once all the way from Canada. Cause I think it's a, I think they're what two or three hours different from us. So, uh, you know, thank you for, uh, thank you for joining us for in the prairies of Canada, I think is how you said it. Yeah. Um, but you know, thank you. And, and Don Bradley, thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>